Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Leaf, and you're listening to Sober Guy Radio. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thanks to you for supporting the show. Today's guest is Ryan Leaf. Ryan is the program ambassador for Transcend Recovery Community, and he's also the chairman of the Focused Intensity Foundation, which raises scholarship money to help support those who need to attend rehab. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Ryan was also the number two overall pick in the 1998 NFL Draft and went on to play in the NFL for four seasons. Ryan's going to share with us today a bit about his story, um, and we're going to talk about what he's doing today to help give back in the the community of recovery. Ryan, it's great to have you, man, and uh, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. This is uh, an honor for sure. Yeah, man, it, it sure is. And uh, I, I, like I said before, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to share a bit today and uh, get to know you a little bit and get to see what you're into today. Um, man, I got to say, in, in, doing, uh, in doing some of the, uh, the homework, I guess, looking at uh, some, some old interviews and whatnot from, uh, from, from a few years back, I watched an interview you did in 2012. And then I, uh, I watched one you did in, uh, in, in 2016 with Dan Patrick. And uh, I mean, it's it's crazy, man. I don't know if it's just dealing with addiction myself. I can tell the difference um, in in the man that you were and that you that you are now. Uh, for those maybe who haven't struggled with it, they they might not be able to tell as much. What was the difference for you in that? And and kind of if you can take us back a little bit about yourself and what happened in the four years in between. Well, at the time in 2012, the interview you're talking about, I was in the process of. Uh, promoting my book. So I was very self-obsessed because of that. I mean, you're promoting something monetarily for you to benefit from. And also I was in the throes of my addiction again. So I was pretending that everything was all right because I had gotten sober. So I am a smart enough guy to develop the the ability to manipulate people with um, the things I had learned. And no matter what, if you're using and trying to act differently, your old behaviors, the behaviors that come with being an addict, um, shine through for sure. Yeah. And that's what you were seeing. And then, I mean, I think that was within like a week and a half, uh, I was arrested from that video that you saw. And those four years in between that were, um, were a prison cell for 32 months. Um, 90 days in my parents' house when I got out waiting to get into a treatment facility, uh, 90 days at an inpatient treatment facility, uh, the opportunity to start working with a company called Transcend as uh, a sober living driver at one of the homes, and eventually their program ambassador and being in the public eye for dealing with this, uh, coming out the other end and trying to be of service to others so they don't have to feel like I did uh, for so long. So that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Um, One of the things that I liked and and to go back, you had said this, this interview that I was referring to in 2012 was, was within a week or two of, um, of, of, 
you know, going into treatment and, uh, and you had said, I had asked God for help. And that time he sent the sheriffs. And I thought that's the, the irony in that is, um, you know, I think it really depicts, um, the, the amount of desperation at one point where, um, you know, you, you feel so, you feel so lost. You feel, you know, at least when I think of my own struggle, you, you just, it, the weight of the world is weighing on you. And so even if it takes the sheriffs coming to get me and take me to jail, like I'm at that point, my breaking point. Um, did you feel a sense of relief knowing it was finally over and that you could kind of stop fighting that battle in your head? I, I think oh, ultimately I did. Um, a lot of times when we ask for help, uh, being an addict, we aren't necessarily ready to accept the help that's going to be given because it's not what we want. And we always have to be in control of what we want. Yeah. So yeah. in my case, the help I was asking for came in the form of the sheriffs, which I didn't want. Uh, so I fought tooth and nail to try to get out of the jail cell because I wanted, I either wanted to be high or dead. And yeah. when that didn't happen, eventually after time, you become grateful for the fact that somebody actually intervened whether in this case it was the police or uh, my hope is when I speak, that's an intervention of some sorts to stop someone from down that road. They have to understand, though, the acceptance of the help is just as big a part as asking for it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so at that time when you were locked up, what kind of soul searching went on and what kind of battles um, you know, go on in, in your mind as you're you know, coming to terms with the fact of this is where I'm at right now in my life. And, um, you know, how am I going to change this? How did I get here? All those types of things. Um, was there any specific, um, spiritual awakening that happened when you were locked up or, or did this, was it kind of a gradual thing over time? I think it was a spiritual awakening. I, I, for a long part of that, that time in there didn't do anything, but play the role of the victim and, and blame others and was self-loathing and self-pitying. The one thing about prison is, is that, I mean, you have no responsibilities, so you get told where to go, when to do it. And I kind of fell into that routine and didn't do much, but sit on my butt and watch TV yeah. and eat terrible food. Uh, <laughs> I went outside twice in the 32 months I was there. Um, I was in a bad place. I wasn't using, and drugs were very revel, uh, prevalent in the prison system. But um, I don't know why I wasn't using. I just, I just wasn't. Yeah. But I wasn't spiritually uh, well. I was spiritually bankrupt. And one day, my roommate, who's uh, was a was a good young man, had he was an Iraqi Afghan war vet. Um, he had driven drunk one night and killed somebody. Wow. And he, you know, got on me one day about having my head buried in the sand and not realizing the value I had for others because of my story. And if I overcome this and, you know, I started to help people to learn how to read in there. And that's a very vulnerable act for somebody to ask sure. uh, for help to read. And I started doing that. And then I became a substance abuse counselor's aide. And I think for the first time in my life, I had ever, I was actually being of service to somebody else other than myself. Yeah. And that, that was the, that for sure has been the spiritual awakening because it, it took me down this path of 
of what I'm doing now. And uh, it prepared me for that from when I got out to know that I need that aspect of things. Whenever I start to become self-obsessed, it's all about then going and helping somebody else because you kind of take yourself out of the equation completely. Yeah. How, how, how big do you think that impacts your life today? Like the, um, the ability to, to kind of stay conscious in that if I start getting in my own head, um, I can stop for a second, you know, and, and kind of take a step back and say, look, I need to, I need to apply this and help somebody else. How big is that for you in, in staying mentally fit and, and staying out of your own head? It's huge for me because um, the stuff that goes on inside my brain, the narratives that I churn uh, when having interactions with other people, with my girlfriend, things like that, yeah. um, it can take me down a, a crazy road. Yeah. So for me then to look at what I do for a living and how I'm going to impact others, it's so important because uh, this has nothing to do with me. My story is no more special than anybody else's. Uh, it just so happens that my name has some more, has a little bit more notoriety. And, um, and when I understand that, that this has nothing to do with me, but really the person that's still out there struggling, then it, uh, it marches me forward in the right direction. And I can wake up each day and, uh, have that same game plan in front of me. Sure, man. Sure. Um, I know, I know once getting, you know, once getting clean, once getting sober too, like some of the things in, in my life in the past was hard for me to, to go back and to look at, like, how do you, how do you deal with, um, with your past? How do you find acceptance in your past? And then, um, you know, do you, do you still have a connection to football in any way, or is it more, have you moved on kind of from that today? Well, I think there's always going to be some sort of connection. I, I have a radio show, pretty much a sports talk radio show. So there's, uh, uh, sports, uh, injected into that, mm -hmm. try to make it a human interest, you know, maybe like 70% human interest, 30% sports, but there's always going to be a tie and that's going to lead me, uh, and may let me get my foot in the door to help others who may not necessarily, uh, want that, you know, kind of yeah. be that, be that help for someone who needs some sort of, sort of intervention. But, uh, dealing with the past for me is, it affected me for a long, long time. But I, I think once somebody truly surrenders and accepts uh, who they are, uh, you are grateful for that. So yeah. I'm grateful for the struggles. I'm grateful for uh, having gone to prison. I'm grateful for the things that uh, have made me who I am today. Uh, my hope is that people don't have to go through those same struggles as I did. And that's uh, in itself service work. And yeah. And me being okay with that has a lot to do with affirmations, such as what other people think of me is none of my business. I mean, that's a huge yeah. one. I say that every morning. Sure. I say that every one morning in the mirror. And uh, it's starting to take effect. I've been saying it for about almost two years now since I got out. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it's starting to take effect because, you know, 38 years of behavioral practice of worrying exactly about <laughs> what other people are thinking about you yeah. just happened overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, just, just to kind of preface that for the, for the listeners out there, I just want, I want people to understand the humility that it takes just as a person, as a human being, um, to, to be accepting of our past. It's not an easy thing to do. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes hard work. It takes dedication, all those good words, those positive words that we hear. Um, but until we're able to do that, for someone out there struggling right now, until you are able to do that, or I'll speak for myself, let me let me backtrack, until I was able to do that, um, I'm not able to figure out 
who I am as a man. I'm not able to figure out what my purpose is in this life until I face that head on and accept that humility and kind of start breaking down that wall. And I think, um, you know, in, in your case, of course, um, you know, with, with the publicity and being in the spotlight and having these huge expectations to live up to, um, you know, to go what you've gone through and then be able to turn around and, um, and give back. And, and I know, I know, like you said, it's not about you. I, I get that, but, um, you know, there's definitely a bigger picture here, but just in speaking of, of what you're doing today, you're working with transcend, um, you're giving back to, um, to the youth you're speaking, um, talk about some of the things that are intentional that you're doing on a daily, uh, to, to help, uh, keep you sober and to help, uh, help other kids and, and adults as well. Well, for me, it's, it's 180 degree lifestyle change. So every morning I wake and I, I pray and I meditate. Um, I, I go to meetings. Uh, I have a sponsor. I, I sponsor others. Uh, I've been through the 12 steps. I go to therapy either once a week or biweekly. I work out and I am service of others in ways of with the foundation. Um, we're working with Jay Glazer and Nate Boyer uh, through their MVP foundation, which is merging players with vets, trying to help combat vets with substance abuse, mental health, uh, depression. And, uh, you know, so actually, you know, service work can kind of become an addiction, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, and it's and a good one, a healthy, yeah, healthy yeah. diversion part of it, because you all of a sudden you just, you get high on the smile of someone else you've, you've helped yeah. or, you know, you, you're supposed to be helping these other people, but when you go home with just this heart full of love, it, it really benefits you. And, uh, um, I think that the, the three ideals that, that go with that lifestyle changes are, are exactly what transcends are. And, and they become my new ideals. Of course, it's, it's community, yeah. uh, accountability and spirituality, because those were, were three things that didn't exist for me. Yeah. And yeah. the accountability part is huge because being able to take your part and no matter what it is, I mean, it could be somebody else's fault completely and your interaction or my interaction in that moment, just either increase the toxicity or confrontation. And you have to look at what your part is in everything. And being able to do that while I was in prison has allowed me to uh, look in the mirror now and, and go, okay, uh, what did you do here? And yeah. how do you see it? Yeah, it's funny, like that you, you kind of mentioned the, the trading off, uh, you know, at least their healthy addictions. Dude, golf is one of my other addictions, and it's uh, it's fun, man. And I, you know, you and I we chatted a bit before, um, you know, a couple of weeks back, and it's it's so different now being able to go play golf and not have to drink the whole time and just actually play some golf and have some fun with a couple of buddies or some family or whatever, and actually enjoy the game and not worry about that I'm too jacked up by the by the 13th or 14th hole to even finish the round. Um, I know you're a big time golfer. Has golf kind of helped you um, relax? And I guess my point to this, this question and why I bring this up is we have to find other than service work and, and doing, um, you know, that that's kind of a given. Um, I think it's important for us in recovery to find healthy things that we really enjoy to do. So whether it's playing a guitar or golf or, or um, you know, any number of different things. Um, is that something that you've really taken up to help relax you and just enjoy life and have a good time and, um, and have some fun too? For sure. Golf is, is huge for me because, you know, I spent 
you know, 32 months not going outside and yeah. to actually be in nature and to have that gratitude to be in nature with others. Golf and drinking was never really a big thing for me. When I played golf, I played golf, but I was always so competitive. My brothers, um, I recently went to the Masters last year and they both, you know, pulled me aside and said, uh, we enjoy playing golf with you now. Yeah. A, you're not, you're not, you don't get angry. <laughs> And, and B, you don't, you're not cheating. So, uh, that's funny. Not that I thought that I, those are the things I ever did, but yeah, of course I have blinders on to everything. So yeah, it's it's for me, it's all about being grateful now, and and it doesn't matter what I shoot. I'm I'm, I'm still competitive, of course, but yeah, I know that it's not that big a deal if I take a double bogey on a on a hole, and <laughs> it is important for people to find. Um, activities in their life that don't represent um, alcohol or using of drugs, substance abuse in any way. And everything like that's possible. I think what has happened is we've just developed activities that are represented by some sort of substance use. Yeah. And they are now interlocked uh, for whatever reason. And whether it goes along with sporting events and the commercials we've been um, supplied for years and years and years and years, or, um, you know, commercials for um, constipation relief because of your opiate addiction, you know, type yeah. of thing. So it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's never the understanding that looking at why you're doing what you're doing. And for a long time, I kind of thought that after my Vicodin addiction was over, or how I passed for a long time that I thought, you know, I might be able to go to the bar and have a beer with the guys because alcohol was never, never a real issue for me. But I'm, I'm on the other understanding and I am in the full acceptance of, of why I would do something like that. It would be because I needed to alter my mood for some reason. Yeah. And if someone can really take that, it's a simple way to look at it and go, I have to alter my mood to be in this environment, be with these people or, or be somebody different than I am. And that means you're not okay with who you are. And I'm okay with who Ryan is right now. And I don't have to, uh, alter my mood to be there in that moment. And that's, that's a shift in my thinking that's come with, uh, um, with this clarity and, and sobriety for the last four and a half years. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I, I, I um, I relate to that too. And just the fact of we, we, we want that escape from reality. So whether it's dealing with issues that we don't want to deal with, or we're not happy with ourselves, um, whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just that escape. Um, it's a great point too. You bring up, I'm okay with who I am right now. And, and like we've already been kind of alluding to in a couple different points, um, in order to, to find who we are, we really need to find some humility um, and, and, and find some honesty in ourselves to face those things. And then we can start the healing process. Um, I'm really curious, man. I know you work with, um, you work with, uh, a lot of different schools and a lot of different people, I'm sure in speaking, um, you know, athlete or, or student or even adult out there that's struggling, man. Um, what advice can you give? Let's kind of focus this in. What advice would you give a, a younger person, maybe another athlete or, or, or a student who's in college who may be struggling with addiction or who is, um, you know, maybe headed down that road and maybe they're kind of not, not sure just because how, how normalized, um, it is in, in society. The biggest thing, and it's, at the forefront of everything I talk about is 
uh, how asking for help is a strength and not a weakness and vulnerability is the strongest thing you you can ever do. I, that That is the, the biggest thing I try to get through to people that um, we're, we're meant to help one another. We're not meant to isolate because you can't do this alone. You can't do anything alone except probably die. You can die alone, but you cannot become a better person and you cannot uh, remove substances of abuse out of your life without the help of others. And I, I, that's the most important thing I try to tell people is, is how asking for help is the strongest thing you can do. It seems like the hardest and it's the most freeing. Sometimes they just need to be able to talk to somebody and that's our hope with Transcend. They can call, they can hear me on a sh- radio show such as your, yourself uh, and uh, make a phone call and just simply tell another person that isn't your immediate family member or who you're worried about that I have a problem. And that's happened a ton yeah. um, with doing things like the Dan Patrick Show and, and having my own radio show that's sponsored by Transcend Recovery Community. And they're able to call in and I'm able to actually talk to them in person sometimes and it allows them just to have somebody they can relate to for a moment and if it takes them down the right path. But like I always said, you once you ask for that help, you got to be ready to accept it too. But yeah. sometimes it's just a freeing, freeing moment to be able to tell another person that you're struggling. Yeah, yeah, definitely a difficult thing to do. And um, you point out another great point, man. It's not a, it's not a sign of weakness. I know I felt that way for a long time, especially as men. Um, you know, Me as, too. as, as Me a too man, sure. yeah, yeah, you 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 just feel weak. We we've been kind of born and bred to not show weakness, to not show emotion. Um, we're supposed to be hard asses, and we're supposed to sack it up and just and you know push through. And unfortunately, that doesn't work. <laughs> just flat out, it, it it doesn't work. And and if it's, um, you know, if it is working for you out there, and and you you tell me I'm wrong, hey, you know, I don't know. Maybe your situation is one in a million. But every man I've talked to who's been struggling with with, with something like this, um, you know, that approach just is is not a great approach. So, um, I guess back to the point is it is okay to ask for help. Um, and, and, and plain and simple. It doesn't make you weak. If anything, it will make you stronger. Um, tell us more about Transcend, Ryan, and, uh, and some more of the work that you're doing with the team over there. Um, you know, I, I know I had had a chance to, to talk to John, uh, who's with Transcend, a, a great guy himself. And um, uh, I know you guys have a lot of different locations around the map. Uh, what are some of the things that Transcend is up to these days? Well, we're, we're pretty inclusive now. And uh kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about um, about the asking for help part, I think it's a big reason why people don't too is because of the stigma that drug addiction has. You don't yeah. you don't ever hear somebody go, you know, Lucy's in rehab. Oh, it's usually like, you know, poor Lucy's in rehab. It's never a positive. That's the most positive thing you can do to actually go spend 30, 60 days on yourself in a in a, in a structured and safe environment. So, yeah. you know, it's just the stigma attaches itself in such a negative way in this country that that's a big reason why people don't actually reach out and ask for help. And what our hope is at Transcend is that we're going to build ourselves enough that, that, that we're big enough and there's enough awareness where people anywhere can then reach out. We are a recovery community that's based in Los Angeles, in Houston, and in New York. We have IOPs in Houston and in LA. Uh, we have six sober living environments 
in Los Angeles, one in Houston, and as well as one in New York too. And we just recently uh, opened up our first detox and inpatient facility. So when you do call in and speak to one of our representatives, uh, we can actually facilitate you from the beginning uh, in the detox portion through the inpatient and then transitional portion into sober living and, and taking what you've learned and applying it to real life. Now, that doesn't mean that we're some sort of monopoly. If you call in and there's a higher care, higher need of care or less need of care, or if there's a, uh, if there's a uh, money issue, we are more than happy to help direct you to a place uh, that's going to work because, you know, the reason we got into this business is to try to help other people because yeah. uh, like myself, most everyone here at Transcend uh, has, is in recovery and has been through what we've been through. Yeah, that's a, I think that's an important issue. Not to not to you know downplay the clinical side of it by any means, but I've found that it's just so so much. Well, I don't want to say easier, but it's different when you when you can relate to somebody and talk to somebody, whether they're a therapist or um, you know an addiction counselor, when they've actually experienced it uh, themselves. There's there's some sort of connection there uh, that is that is really powerful. Um, I know you didn't know this too, man, but when you said Lucy's in rehab, I felt like somebody kicked me in my balls because my daughter's name is Lucy. And I was just like, oh my gosh, man. Like here, like, I, and the reason I bring that up is because how many, you know, how many times, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you have uh, experienced this too, where we talk to, um, you know, parents, or I think about my mom, for instance, you know, and, and what, and what she's been through, what, what, you know, dealing with myself and other family members, um, one more quick question. Do you deal um, with the with the family members um, in Transcend or in any of the work work you do with with some of the youth? Um, and how does that affect affect you and um, and kind of how you're able to help them? It's a huge part of it, because as you know, uh, through your sickness and through your illness, you usually have infected or the the rest of the family is is in crisis as well. Yeah. Whether yeah. there's enabling. In my case, my mother was so codependent and she just enabled the hell out of me. Hmm. And I just, of course, as an addict, took advantage of that. Um, she's found her way to Al-Anon and she knows how to deal with a drug addict son now. And, and it's a much different uh, different way. I mean, the best thing that, that my, my parents did was not bail me out of jail. I mean, that was, yeah. that was the best thing they did. And, uh, because they've got, they've got their son back and, uh, it's important to do that with the families. And that's why we always have, uh, the community portion of, of our, our programming here. We just, we bring everybody together. Um, both parties have to be accountable for what their actions are. And what happens a lot of time in most other places is that, the client or the the person getting clean will go into this environment where on a daily basis, almost 24 hours a day, they're getting some sort of therapy, some sort of help moving forward. And if the family isn't doing the same, the moment they get out, the family won't know how to deal with this new, uh, this new person who has all these new tools, setting boundaries. Yeah. And what can happen is usually muscle memory. The family reacts the same way they've always reacted. And then the recovering addict or alcoholic reacts the same way they've always dealt with stuff. And that was usually by medicating and the vicious cycle starts all over again. So it's very important to incorporate the family in everything we do because uh, those are the people that no matter what you may think have supported you unconditionally your whole life through all this, 
all this type of process. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just getting treatment. I mean, that's a huge step in itself, but the aftercare is, uh, is equally important. I, I totally agree with you there. And I know for me, gosh, it, it took at least a, a year just to kind of, um, you know, to kind of even just start feeling like I was thinking straight again. Uh, but you know, that being said, not to sound discouraging or that it's that, you know, it is a long process, but it can be done. There's hope out there. Um, Ryan, um, where can people find out more information about you, about the work you're doing and, uh, more info about transcend recovery community? Well, they can go to our website, which is, uh, transcendrc.com. They can reach out to me, uh, on any of my, uh, social media platforms. The best way probably is on Twitter at Ryan D leaf. And, uh, uh, we can be a, a service in, in any way we can also, a. uh, a, lot, a telephone number, if, if that uh, needs to work as well, is 844-993-3988. Uh, my radio show is on SB Nation Radio every Saturday night from 5 to 7 Pacific. Uh, also, if you missed the show, you can check it out on Podcast Arena slash Ryan Leaf, and, uh, where we talk a lot about recovery and uh we get that platform because transcends uh, our title sponsor and, uh, uh, and helps us, helps us along the way. So check us out on all those things and we'll, uh, you don't have to do this alone. That's for damn sure. You don't have to do this alone. We're right there for you. And, uh, I'll be the one, uh, I'll be the one right there answering as well. Ryan, I commend you, man, for your, uh, your honesty, your strength, your hope. Uh, thanks for sharing it uh, with us today on sober guy radio. It's been an honor, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great what you're doing. For more information and more resources, go to thatsoberguy.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support of the show. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.